you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, you know, I keep hearing from more and more of you who do, in fact, love your work. Yes, it is possible in today's environment. And you know, life is too short to settle for anything less. It just breaks my heart when I hear people talk about, yeah, my job stinks, but I make reasonable income, so I'm just going to hang in there only 13 more years until my retirement is fully vested. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. You hate your job. You dread every Monday morning. You're going to spend another 13 years to fund your retirement. You're going to have a heart attack and die before that happens. Of course, we see that as well. Don't wish that on anyone. Well, there are a lot of options out there. We're going to be looking at ways you can, in fact, find or create work that you love. Yes, a lot of people are doing it. Yes, even in this economy. Well, this is Dan Meller. If you're new to the 48 Days listening audience, welcome in. We have more and more people I hear from each week around the world who are listening, and we welcome your questions. You can always shoot your question in. Just go to the 48 Days com podcast the link a little starburst will pop up there you can submit your question there or just shoot it into ask dan at 48days.com we're going to spend the next 48 minutes looking at questions that you our listeners have submitted some of the most interesting ones ones that include things like this dan i love the freedom and security i find in owning my own business however i wonder if i would be ultimately be happier working for someone else how about this? Dan, I started a new job five months ago making $60,000. Yesterday, another company offered me a position at 80000 Should I leave? Dan, my boss is frustrated and is taking it out on a sales staff. I just want to quit, but my wife feels that we will struggle to make it if I don't have this income. But I am not happy. Any ideas of a part-time job I can do from home on the internet while still keeping my full-time job? Someone says, thanks for your guidance and encouragement. Um, Because of that, I've accepted a position with a six-figure salary, working for a very godly man. Cool. And someone says, I've been fired repeatedly from restaurant work. Is my only choice to open my own restaurant? Ooh, I hope we get to that one today because there's some extreme red flags in the way that whole question is framed. Well, the quotation for today is from Henry Ryman, who says, creativity, when not used, turns to depression. Now, think about that. Have you encountered anybody this week who's depressed? I certainly have. Depressed, discouraged, resentment, angry, guilt, all those come from the same kind of well. But a lot of times it simply is creativity that somehow got buried along the way. Creativity, when not used, turns to depression. Well, I've got a cute little story that I want to just lay out as kind of a as kind of a new way for us to look at these situations today as we discuss them. In his book, A Whack on the Side of the Head, the author tells a story about a Native American tribal chief. Whenever the tribe was having difficulty finding new game, you know, finding enough to eat, the chief would take a dried animal skin, crinkle it up repeatedly until deep lines appeared. Then he'd mark it with some places already familiar to the hunters. So he'd say, you know, here's where we are. Here's the neighboring tribe. You know, here's that city we know about. He'd mark it on this animal skin that he had just 
crinkled up and arbitrarily made. Then he would tell the hunting party that this was an ancient map and that the crinkled lines showed the best hunting trails used by their ancestors. Well, then armed with this new information, the hunting party would set out confident and full of enthusiasm and surprisingly enough would always find an abundance of game for the tribe. Now, as you know, and he didn't make any secret about it, the map was nothing but a randomly created lines. Why did it unleash new success for the hunters? Well, I, I love that kind of image, and I think we can learn from that for ourselves. You know, why did that new map, even though it was artificially created, somehow unleash confidence, boldness, enthusiasm, and they set off and, in fact, got the results they were looking for? Well, it broke the rut of sameness. These are some things I think that we can do in creating our own new map for where we're going to go today, this week, this month, this year, next three years. It also encouraged them to look in places nearby, but off the familiar path, places they hadn't been looking before. It produced a positive anticipation. It put the tools for success in their own hands. No excuses, no blaming, no pointing fingers. Geez, you've got a map. Just work with the map. And it also was presented as a hidden secret. You know, how many times does a new leadership theory come down or a new personal success theory come down and it's the end of the hidden secrets or the seven hidden secrets? Well, I guess that still works. I kind of cringe at using that terminology sometimes. I think people ought to see through that, but apparently they don't. You know, speaking of seeing through it, now this is just an aside, but this morning I got a, a flyer. As a matter of fact, I've already gotten four different flyers from... Peter Lowe organization get motivated now. They put on these big seminars around the country, and so they're going to have people like Colin Powell and Rudy Giuliani and Chris Gardner from The Pursuit of Happiness. And I've forgotten who all the speakers are, but a, a host of you know, really incredible speakers. In person, Bill Cosby is one, going to be there you know, that day. Well, to get in, it's $1.95. Okay, now just, I mean, th- think about it. I mean, this is not a charity case. This is not a nonprofit. This is a business. What do you think is going to happen when you get into a day-long seminar, sitting in a big arena, and you're going to hear from these big-name speakers who have been paid thousands and thousands of dollars to come, and you paid a dollar ninety-five? Well, it shouldn't take a rocket scientist to figure out you're going to get sales presentations slammed down your throat all day long, and you're going to get opportunities to sign up for seminars that are four to six thousand dollars repeatedly i mean that's how they make their money and and frankly i think it's an insult to my intelligence to tell me i have to pay a dollar 95 cents to come to that why don't they charge me 69 dollars so i invest something in the process and then lighten up on all those things that we're going to be crammed down our throat anyway that's just a personal thing but it's kind of like that you know here's a new book the seven secrets of success well give me a break there's nothing new under the sun if you put it in a new format hey that's cool that's fine just tell me what you've done don't try to couch it in terms of something i've never seen before and don't invite me to an all-day seminar for a dollar 95 cents well anyway i'll i'll get off that let me go to the questions abigail from kansas says dan i want to share a success story and also a developing concern I began a green cleaning business about 10 months ago and I'm taking baby steps toward growing it into a profitable and successful business. I enjoy the work, though my ultimate goal is to gain enough clients to contract the work out and manage the business from home. 
I love the freedom and security I find in owning my own business. However, there are times that I truly yearn to enroll myself in someone else's vision and help them succeed without all the headaches of doing everything myself. Perhaps this is due to my high C personality or my spiritual gift of helping. Either way, it makes me wonder if I would ultimately be happier working for someone else. Is there a way to tell which path is better for me? Well, Abigail, you know, a meaningful and balanced life includes many components. It's not just our work. So, you know, I don't want you to expect all of your fulfillment, all of your joy, all of your meaning to come from just your work. Work is just simply one tool for that. Whether you have a job or whether you are an independent contractor, whether you're an entrepreneur on your own business, I would suggest if you want to be involved in somebody else's vision, have you tried serving on the board of Habitat for Humanity or here local, we have a program called Leaving the Cocoon where they help gals who are coming out of the Tennessee prison for women or Narrowgate. It's a program where they take these young guys out in the country. It's a, it's like boot camp, and it's a, a nine-month program and they will strip away bad habits like drug use, alcohol, or whatever it happens to be and make a man out of these guys. I mean, if you served with one of those, you're part of something that has a larger vision than what you're just doing yourself. Just, I mean, either way, don't look for all your financial and emotional and spiritual needs to be met from your work, whatever that is. Just evaluate that as one tool for successful life and then decide if it works better for you to have your own business or to work for someone else. This is not a clear right or wrong. It's not just a matter of what your personality style is. It's just, you know, we have a lot of options. So look at all of the options, choose what fits you, and then make that work in your own life. You know, the the opportunities for work today are a long continuum. You can go to a traditional job, you clock in at eight, out at five, have an hour for lunch, two weeks vacation, 401k contribution, boom, we know what that looks like. Very traditional job, very structured. Or you can go to, you know, where you are a 23-year-old and you have a site on the internet where you're updating information for homeschoolers and you make $200,000 a year working an hour a day, you know, updating that website. I mean, that, that would be something very unstructured. There's a whole lot of things in between there. We have the opportunity to find where do we fit. If you like working for yourself, but you don't really like taking care of all the details and you want a clearer structure than what that usually provides, you may be a candidate for a franchise because that, in fact, is exactly what a franchise does. It gives you a proven track record. The company helps you with a lot of the back-end details so you don't have to reinvent those yourself, and yet you still have a business for yourself. The phrase from franchises is usually you're in business for yourself but not by yourself so there's a lot of options just choose the one that works best for you just just as one last tidbit here i can't help but throw this in because i've seen this played out so many times i will say this that once you have tasted entrepreneurship once you've had your own business even if it didn't work out very well you've seen too much you you've uh, seen the light it's hard to go back to being an employee i've found that that has been a challenge for people, even if they went out into business for themselves and absolutely bombed. I mean, I did that. I mean, I have had businesses myself, you know, all my life and um, had that one horrendous crash where I burned and it would have made sense in some ways to just go get a job. Just forget about all the headache. But there was no, no inkling of an attraction for that 
uh, based on where I was. Plus, I had dug such a deep financial hole for myself, I knew I'd never see the light of day again if I just got a job. My only option was to, again, jump in the game, uh, do something entrepreneurial. Well, Eric says, Dan, how's the best way to find products to sell on eBay at a price that would create a sufficient margin? I know closeouts and liquidations are good places to start, but where do you find them? I've sold sparingly online before and have had good success, but want to amp up the volume and find a niche product, but not sure where to look on the supply side. My passion is outdoor sports like fishing and hunting, but I'm also thinking of pet products as well. Keep up the great work. Thanks, Eric. Well, Eric, what I encourage you to do is become an expert in one area, one product no domain. Know the demographics of your market. Who's buying this product? How old are they? What kind of income levels do they have? What else are they interested in? All those things. Then look everywhere for being able to purchase. So if you want to sell aviation memorabilia, I mean, look everywhere. I mean, when I'm, when I, you know, I play around with cars a lot. Most of you who have been listening know that. It's just a something I enjoy thoroughly. I love the hunt, but I, I buy on eBay, Craigslist out of the newspaper, bulletin boards, front yards, garage sales. If I know the market and I know what I'm looking for, then anything is a possibility in terms of where I find that. I mean, I buy from dealerships right off dealer lots recently helped my grandson buy a Jeep Cherokee. Well, we looked on eBay, Craigslist, newspaper, all those things that I mentioned, ended up buying right straight from a dealer. I mean, nothing wrong with that at all. They're a legitimate source. So once you find what it is you're going to be an expert in, if that's going to be outdoor sports, you know, fishing, lures, then you can look for liquidations. And I do that with books. We have lots of sources to buy books, pennies on the dollar, where we have wonderful margins, you know, four or five times what I paid for something, which is the formula that I tend to like to have four or five times what I paid for something. So make sure that you do find sources for that. Don't just load up an inventory just so you have some things to sell when you're only making, you know, two cents on an item that you sell. Don't do that. That's poor business. But look, if when, once you become an expert in a particular area, you ought to be able to uncover a whole lot of resources for where you can buy that. Well, Kelly says, Dan, I'm 30 years old. Web designer started a new job five months ago and I'm happily employed, making $60,000. I like the firm. I like the people and have no problems. Yesterday, I was contacted by an agency owner who saw my online portfolio, got excited and wanted to meet. I did go check out their place and I loved the vibe and the $80,000 offer. I've been toying with the idea of making the move, but I would feel just terrible telling my current boss that I'm leaving you know, if this in fact comes through, we're in the middle of producing a major multi-million dollar project. At the same time, I'm very adventurous when it comes to my career. How do I make the switch without coming off as unprofessional, unappreciative, disrespectful? Thanks for inspiring my soul. Well, thanks for your, your question, Kaylee. And as for your question, you know, being hired for a $60,000 position is the end result of a long process for both you and the company that hired you. And I do think that upon accepting a position like that, that there's an implied commitment from both sides. And I think that that typically ought to be about two to three years, that there's an implied commitment. Now, they may not have locked you down with a non-compete or an employment contract that holds you there, anything like that. And I would resist a company that required those things. 
But in just good faith, just the kind of professional environment that you are operating in as a $60,000 web designer, yeah, I do think it would be unprofessional and disrespectful to bolt after five months. But see, here's, here's the larger picture. I think there ought to be other factors that you look at other than just pay to determine what is a good fit for you. See, if you're just chasing the dollar, you're going to risk at some point losing a connection to your heart along the way. Anyway, look at the whole picture. Look at the connections that you're making now. I mean, the project that you're part of that you'll be able to include on your resume. I mean, that may position you for a $120,000 year position if you go ahead and complete it. I mean, I I would even share with your new boss what's happening and tell him why you're choosing to stay at least until this project is completed. I mean, I think the very minimum would be a year. Great question. I appreciate your conscientiousness about that. But yeah, look at the long view. Don't just make knee-jerk reactions to circumstances that just popped up. Otherwise, you'll continue to just have those short-term kind of successes rather than the long-term things that really build for you into the ultimate success you're looking for. Well, just a reminder, if you've got a question, you can just go to the podcast link at 48days.com. You can leave your question there. Love to hear from you. Tim from Cleveland, Ohio says, Dan, uh, thanks for all the free stuff you put out. My day job is a computer tech, which I like a lot. However, when people ask me to fix their computer or laptop, you know, friends, relatives, coworkers, I always feel guilty about charging them, so I never do. The kind of fixes I do are removing viruses and malware, upgrading the operating system, installing software, data recovery from crashed or failed hard drives, even setting up their home wireless or hardwired networks, about about the same kind of stuff I do in my day job as an IT expert. Sometimes this work is going to take 10 minutes, sometimes three hours. These kind of repairs are something you could get from the Geek Squad, but you're probably going to pay, you know, $300. How do I get up to the nerve to ask for even $50 or, you know, even 20? Well, Tim, you know, sometimes we undervalue the things that come easily for us. So a guy, you know, tunes up a car, hey, no big deal, or installs a ceiling fan or a gal, you know, bakes a stunning wedding cake, gee, no big thing, just a walk in the park. And so because of that, thinking that anyone else could do it, easily as well. We hesitate to put a realistic price on that service that we can provide. Now, in your case, it's pretty easy to compare to what they would have to pay somewhere else. Like, you know, if they go to Best Buy and go to Geek Squad, what they're going to have to pay. What I'd encourage you to do is put together two or three package options. Then when someone asks you, you can pull out your one page overview and say, you know, based on what you're telling me, I think this package here would be the best choice for you. I'm sure I could complete that in a two hour timeline and then the $90 fee I have for that should cover you. Once you put it down on paper, it removes you from the struggle that you're having with the lack of clarity that you're dealing with now. Just put it down on paper so you can take plenty of time, think it through, but then boom, you pull it out and say, you know what? Here's some options. Which one do you think would fit you best for what you want done? And I mean, you can do that with friends and relatives. If they're shocked and say, oh my gosh, you know, I thought you were free because you're my friend. They, well, you know, I get a lot of requests and being realistic about my own time. You know, I, I have some guidelines for how I do that. Yeah, I'm available. If this works for you, fine. If not, hey, that's cool too. 
man, maybe I can just, you know, if you try this, that may work for you. I mean, be liberal with what you give, but don't just keep giving your time away like that. Yeah, that could be a tough kind of struggle. Then you can just introduce them to this old song. Hey, remember this song? She worked hard for the money, so you better treat her right. Now, in your case, you're a, you're a guy, but hey, you work hard for the money. No, you don't have to just give it away. Great old song. Remember remember Donna Summer? Man, the old disco queen. Gee, I better be careful about calling her old because she's still around. She's a neighbor of ours here, and she still packs out stadiums, even in places like over in Europe and Asia. But she works hard for the money. You do too, and you deserve to be compensated for it. Ryan from uh, Nebraska says, I recently wrote a book called If Stupid Was Illegal, We'd All Be in Jail. A great title, Ryan. If Stupid Was Illegal, We'd All Be in Jail. It's a story of my wife, and you've got If Stupid Was Illegal.com is your website, okay? If it's a story of my wife and my journey through financial stupidity. My question for you is about getting my book out there. Of course, it's available on Amazon. But I was thinking of just giving away a PDF copy of my book to anyone who wants to read it. That way I can help spread my message faster and just get it out there. What are your opinions on that? What are ways I can market my book for people who may want to buy it? Well, one thing I would encourage you to do, go to 48days.com, go up at the top to the resources tab. There's a drop down which shows you worksheets. One of those worksheets is 48 ways to market your business. I mean, this is applicable if you're selling a book. Then choose four or five that you plan to do consistently. Now, in your case, I would suggest that you blog about the content and then comment on three or four other financial blogs daily. Send a press release to your local newspapers and make yourself available for interviews. I've found that local magazines and newspapers are extremely receptive to people that live in their community. Make yourself available and go ahead and give it away. Absolutely, give it away. I mean, this is not an either or this is an and opportunity you can give it away and you can still charge people for that I mean, people like seth godin who write blogs every day and then he puts together a book like small as the new big it's 183 blogs you can go to his website open the archive and view those that doesn't mean people won't buy it anyway i've done the same thing with our 48 low-cost business ideas had repeated questions about you know can i really start a business on a shoestring yes you can can i make money with that yes you can i put together 48 low-cost business ideas that's still a free link at, uh, if you're a member of 48days.net you'll see that link up at the top you can just open that up and view it now that's been downloaded our web people tell me that's been downloaded about 120,000 times that's a whole lot of people because we know that's such a hot topic now we're going back in, cleaning it up, making a nicer cover, and we've made it into a real product that people can purchase. Not sure if it's up on our website or not, but a real product that people can purchase, either electronically or in a physical format. You can do the same. Give it away, but then continue to position it. Give people opportunities to buy it, not only in one form, give them four or five different ways they can purchase it. Make it an ebook, make it a physical book, make it a little manifesto, break it down into six sections. I mean, you turn it into an audio, 
I mean, repurpose the same content. That's one of the keys that anybody really understands marketing does and understands that well. You can do the same with your little book. Well, this comes in, Dan, I'm in a bad situation at my current job. The boss is frustrated due to him overspending and he's taking it out on the sales staff, verbally abusing us mostly. I know that I'm better than this. And my moral compass is telling me that this is wrong. I'm very close to launching another business idea that I've been working on behind the scenes and want to just quit. But my wife feels that we will struggle to make it if I don't have this income. I am not happy. Can you give some advice? Please don't use my name or location. Okay, no problem. In a situation like this, your boss is abusing you. Things are bad. Your moral compass is telling you it's wrong. Identify what is it you can control. And what is it that you cannot control? That's where you have to make your decision. Ultimately, you have to make that decision. Can you control making your boss different than he is? Can you control the upper administration, not admonishing him or taking him to task on that and making him change? Maybe those are things you can't change. You can, though, decide if you're going to go to work tomorrow morning, if you're going to give notice and leave in two weeks. Those are decisions you can make. So don't feel like you're trapped. You're not. Now, if you choose to continue working there, then apparently the benefits outweigh the negatives. As far as you're very close to launching another business idea that you have been working on behind the scenes, you want to just quit. Well, I'm not one to just burn bridges when you don't have a clear transition in place. So if you have a business idea, now's the time to do that. Launch that sucker. Launch the new business. If you can in 90 days get up some significant income coming in, then you've got a whole lot more basis for going to your wife and saying, you know, you know what's going on at my real job. It's driving me nuts. It's pulling my soul apart every day that I go in there, draining my emotional energy. I want to transition. I've already proven I can produce half the income. If I transition all my efforts within another 38 days, I'll duplicate my income that I'm getting now and go on. And that's the way you have to approach it. Fred says, says, Dan, I have a physical condition which is commonly known as lazy eye. It has nothing to do with laziness, and in fact, my right eye points outward without twitching or drifting as some people with similar conditions have experienced. When I meet new people, they sometimes look over their shoulder as a reflex to see what I'm looking at. I can also tell some people are uncomfortable looking at my eyes, and I've read other people's stories about this condition who say that eye contact and self-confidence are big challenges for them. What would you suggest to someone like me or to many people who face more serious physical challenges when they're trying to make a good first impression? More specifically, how do I tactfully explain the eye contact issue? Well, that's a very specific thing that a challenge that you're dealing with there, Fred. Uh, Could you try sunglasses? I mean, if there's no physical correction for that, then the next obvious thing is going to be how can you deter focused attention on that? Could you try sunglasses? I mean, there's a lot of people that wear tinted glasses regularly and just uh, pretend you're the next Bono or Roy Orbison. You know, I mean, there's a lot of people that wear tinted glasses. Could you do that in a way that would not be obtrusive, but there's a way would really camouflage what's going on with your eyes, you know, and then, I mean, that may be a little awkward for people, I mean, I don't like to have a salesperson approach me 
wearing sunglasses because the contact with the eyes do give you a more intimate connection. But if in your situation it's a distraction, then I would suggest that you try that. And then if somebody asks about it, you could simply say that you have, you know, some sensitive eyes and eye challenges and this helps and just go on, leave it at that. But I, I would do that. I would just confront it directly. Now there's probably other solutions that I'm certainly not thinking about, not aware about. I'd be delighted to hear from some of you, our listeners. If you think that there, you've got a solution for that and I'll pass them on to Fred. Just a reminder, if you got a question, just to go to the podcast link at 48days.com. You can leave your question there, or you can shoot a question to me directly at askdan at 48days.com. Doug says, I've been working as an IT network administrator for the past 17 years, which I greatly dislike. I currently make little more than $40,000 in salary. I've lost all passion in my job. I dread going to work every Monday morning. A few years ago, I had a taste of self-employment when I was not employed full-time. Greatly desire that freedom to work at home again. I currently have a part-time business and make close to the income I make in my job. When is the right time to quit a job? Should I just keep working my job forever and grow my business at the same time and endure the job I don't enjoy? Or should I quit my current job and grow my business and increase my income? Whoa, Doug, we got some advice for you. You know, we, we, got, we got an old classic here that'll help you kind of make this decision. Take this job and shove it. Well, you, you may not want to use that terminology, but I mean, really, I don't hear any reason for continuing your job. You don't make enough money for being an IT network administrator. You dread going to work every Monday morning. You have a sideline business that's making close to your salary. I mean, what's keeping you there? I mean, I, I really don't understand. Why, why don't you? Why don't you quit today? With, with all the things that you describe, you are in a perfect position. You've already created your transition. You've got a sideline business. I mean, if your sideline business is making almost your current salary already, what could you do with that if you didn't have the distraction and the emotional drain of going to a job that you don't enjoy? Yeah, I would think your time would be better spent building your own business and get out of this one that seems to have no positives connected with it at all. We got a note from Amy who says, love creating objects using logos. How about a job as a logo, as a Lego? Did I say logo? And I'm not sure what I said. How about a job as a Lego certified professional? Now she linked to an article. You know, there was a recent earthquake in New York City and there's a Lego museum there. Well, they have buildings in the Lego museum that may be 10, 12 feet high. Some of those buildings suffered a lot of damage and it shows shots i'm sure you can google it lego building damage museum new york whatever you'll go right to it and they're looking for lego certified professionals to come in and rebuild those buildings well that is an actual terminology you can become a lego certified professional i sent that link amy on to my grandson caleb who's 16 years old but he's always been fascinated with legos and he, he builds amazing pieces, and now he's doing uh, 3D things online in with the Legos, designing buildings and structures, and uh, we're going to, one of these days, take him to one of the Lego land that they have. Uh, there's a couple around the world, 
But uh, yeah, it's a real position. It's one of those examples, again, of something that you may have thought was just a, a childhood fantasy, but it really is an opportunity. A couple other notes here from people. Mary Catherine says, have you read the book, The Go-Giver? It's awesome. Think you should read it if you haven't already positively at it positivity at its finest well yes it is mary i agree totally the go-giver bob berg's little book it's it's a takeoff we talk about people being go-getters and it, it implies you're going to go get something take it away from somebody else this is a go-giver house and it's an allegory it's one of these neat little stories you know like the present or the one minute manager or who moved my cheese the kind of thing you can read in about 45 minutes yeah when that first came out i ordered a hundred copies which is what I often do when a book comes out that I think is really cool like that. And we just use them as gifts to give away. The go-giver is in that category. Yeah, thanks for your recommendation. I agree totally. Well, Brian says, Dan, I believe that there are at least 10 areas of study, finances, career, vocation, social interaction, and so on, that youth should be encouraged to study. I have a vision of creating an online community for homeschooling, alternate education, families that would focus on these topics, and then he, what he wants to do is, he says, I want to blog questions, comments, action plans based on the book and review. As an example, what did Dan mean by divine discontent? Or from uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People, you know, take the time to learn and use three new people's names this week in interactions. I wanted to know if it would be legal to compile these ideas into e-workbooks to sell, covering one covering each of the 10 areas as they are generated. Well, Brian, all the material you're referring to would be copyrighted. So you can refer to it. You can use short excerpts like, you know, Dan says this, boom, one sentence. But to use extensive amounts of word-for-word content, you can't do. So it really has to do with how much. I mean, you need to make this workbook your own. I mean, if you're going to ask, you know, what did Dan mean by divine discontent? That's fine. But you can't say on pages 55 and 56, Dan says, and then go ahead and include all that content. You have to make your workbook your own. So it's going to be very crucial that you reword everything that you're not drawing more than a sentence at a time. That's actual word for word content. And then the other thing is, you know, how are you going to make this content unique from everything else already available to homeschoolers? a lot of things out there so make sure that you're on a path where you have that usp you have your unique selling proposition and how you're going to make this different from what's already available well raman says now this is from uh, calgary alberta raman says dear dan i want to thank you for your guidance and encouragement a while ago i had written to you about changing my career from driving trucks to getting into sales Since March this year, I quit driving trucks, started working at a Ford dealer here in Calgary, and have been extremely successful. Now, coincidentally, I recently ran into someone who I had met last year during my training at Dale Carnegie, which was also your suggestion to do, the Dale Carnegie Human Relations course I recommend highly. This gentleman offered me a position as national sales rep for his company called Lamar Tree Spades. I've accepted the position for not only a close to six figures in salary, but also working for a very godly man. I thank God for you and your listeners because I found my encouragement in their stories. So hopefully someone will find encouragement in mine. And that is an awesome story, Ramon. Thank you so much for sharing that. Quit driving a truck. Now, we have a lot of truck driving listeners because of this being an audio format. 
And certainly a lot of guys doing well with that, but a lot of them looking for a new opportunity. He got into sales. It obviously has fit him well. He did well there. New opportunity came up coincidentally going into a six-figure income and in an environment that fits him well. What a great, great story. You know, you're going to, here's a song you're going to be singing anytime soon now. If I had a million dollars, if I had a million dollars, well, I'd buy you know, you know how quickly you can get to a million dollars when you start making a hundred thousand dollars. Here's here's the deal. Here's the principle, and this may sound frustrating depending on where you are. It's a whole lot easier to make the second hundred thousand dollars than it is the first. Now, a lot of things happen along the way to making your first hundred thousand dollars a year. You learn discipline personal motivation you learn what your most uh, your greatest areas of competence are you learn what you really enjoy where you're in the zone those are things that almost have to be in place in order for you to make a hundred thousand dollars once you get momentum and there really is momentum once you figure all those things out the second hundred thousand dollars comes a whole lot easier that's pretty exciting so then if you're used to living on sixty thousand dollars a year and you don't just you know, go out and buy a brand new BMW and a 10,000 square foot house, then all of a sudden you've got more money to put aside. That money then can start working for you in real estate or other investments, and the whole process starts to snowball in your favor. Well, Kathy says, any ideas of a part-time job I can do from home while still keeping my full-time job, perhaps on the internet? Well, here, here's the deal, Kathy, and I'm gonna make this one real quick. You look for what fits you. Don't just look for something to make money. Start with what you know about and enjoy already. So there are thousands of things you can do on the internet to create income from home while you're still keeping your full-time job. But I would be foolish to say, here are the five best ideas. I mean, those may be the best ideas for me. If they don't fit you, don't do those. I mean, we know that pet products is a really hot category for online sales as an example. That would be a bad idea for me. I have no feel for that. I have no attraction to that. I have no desire to have you know, dogs or cats or whatever are running around you know, as an extra responsibility. So it wouldn't fit me. But if it fits you, then do that. I mean, so look at the things you already enjoy. It doesn't have to be the newest, latest, greatest, most revolutionary kind of thing out there. No, just something you enjoy, then do it and have a lot of fun with it. I mean, if you're, if you enjoy collecting baseball cards, make that what you do on the internet. Again, that's common. You just do it well. Andrea says, I'm looking for a new job. I'm hoping it will be a move toward some of my goals rather than just an income. I enjoy what I do now. However, I will be going on a three-month-long trip across the country to raise awareness for affordable housing with a company called Bike and Build. The company I work for now is not interested in holding my position open for that long. Okay, you're gonna be gone three months? Yep, that would be unusual for them to hold a position open for that. My question is, should I start looking now for a new job or closer to the time when I'll be given my current job notice or when I get back from the trip. The trip is in nine months. I have a small side business now, but I want more security for me and my husband. He's in school full time. Well, don't start your job search more than 60 days in advance of when you'll be available. 
mean, you can't go do a job search and somebody says, oh, yeah, we want, we want you. You know, and then you tell them, well, well, I'll be available, you know, eight months from now. No, you can't. That makes no sense for anybody. So no more than 60 days out. So whenever that fits, if that's while you're on your trip, then do it while you're on your trip. So when you get back, you've got interviewing ready and you're ready to go. But another issue that kind of runs through your question here is if you want this kind of freedom, you probably shouldn't look at just expanding your small side business rather than looking for another traditional job. If you're the kind of person that likes to drop everything, you're willing to quit a job and go on a three mile bike tour because you're committed to a cause. I mean, how close are you to wanting to have the flexibility to do that anytime? And I just had lunch a few days ago with a gentleman and his wife who they are in Nashville area because they volunteered for an extended period of time with one of the nonprofit ministries they really wanted to be involved with here. Well, they couldn't do that if they had traditional jobs. There's no vacation that would be long enough and a job wouldn't give them that leave. So they've structured their lives with income sources so they have the freedom to do that. I mean, a lot of people have done that. You know, right now there's a there's a conversation going on on 48days.net. And, and if you hear me talk about that, I mean, that's just our online community. We're right at 10,000 people at this point, people who are creating unusual, unique kind of work to generate income, to give them flexibility and a sense of purpose and meaning and accomplishment that usually they've never experienced before. But anyway, it's a growing community. There's no membership fee. You're welcome to check it out. But there's a conversation going on on 48days.net right now from a young lady who is single. She says she has two cats, all the normal bills to pay. She's been doing some web design along with other work, trying to make ends meet. What she wants to do is travel. She wants to go live in a foreign country and she wants to be able to, you know, meet people and do unique things and so on and so forth. So people were starting to give her ideas about how she could do that. I talked to her about what my son Jared is doing, who lives in Mombasa, Kenya, right on the ocean. Um, Chris Gillibu is another young guy, wrote the book, The Art of Nonconformity. He travels all over the world. He's, his goal is to be in every country in the world before he's 35 there's about that's about 210 countries and he's just about completed that before 35 now what this young lady is saying though well yeah that's fine but i need a company to pay for my relocation expenses to move overseas and i need a company to guarantee me enough to pay my normal bills that i have well i i wrote i wrote back to her and i said dear you know, I'm afraid you're looking for far too much structure and too many guarantees for the adventure you're describing. I mean, people like you know Chris Gillibu and Jared are not employees. They simply decided what they wanted, where they wanted to live, and then found creative ways to create income along the way. You can't have the freedom you're describing and security in the form of guaranteed income. A company's not going to fend fund your adventure around the world. You got to figure out a way to, to do that on your own. But it's in, interesting to me sometimes where, where people say, you know, gee, I don't want to be tied down. I want to come to work, you know, whenever I want to, I want to be free to go. I want to be able to go on this mission strip if I want to go. Well, that's fine. You can do all those things, but don't expect a company to have you on their payroll and to guarantee you a paycheck every two weeks while you go do those kind of things. So just decide what you want to do and then be creative and figuring out a way that you can make it work. Well, here's a question. This may be the last one I get to. Kevin 
says, Dan, I never had any job greater than entry level. Now listen to all the pieces that Kevin lays out here. My parents owned a summer business, so I would quit each job in the spring and get a new one in the fall. I started following my culinary passion at 30 with a wife and two small kids going back to school and getting a local cooking job. That job was $7.70 an hour, not a good income for a single income family. I left that job when I was hired as a manager in training elsewhere, but my entry level speed wasn't deserving of the promotion and they fired me. I've been fired from two more kitchens since. I'm hired because of people skills, promise management, but then fired when they put me in that kind of position. Is my only option left to have my own restaurant, which is one of my dreams. Then I I can't fire myself, but I'm unhirable, blacklisted because of my work history. Wow. Okay, Kevin, bear with me here. I'm going to be brutally blunt and frank you've never had a job greater than entry level in the restaurant business your last job you were being paid seven dollars and fifty cents an hour you've been fired from two more restaurants since you want to open your own restaurant no 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 you should be running the other way from the restaurant business i mean run and never look back you know, I, I suspect that this is something that you have a little familiarity with and maybe a draw in some way but you know, what about that industry has worked well for you? I mean, the way to prepare for owning your own business is to get a job in that industry. That's a legitimate way to learn about something where you want to have your own business, to learn on their nickel, so to speak. The expectation is that if it's a fit, then you'll be valued. You will be moved up in responsibility. You'll be paid very well. You'll get familiar with all the aspects of that kind of business. None of that is true for you. Please do not attempt to have your own restaurant. I mean, a restaurant under the very best of circumstances is extremely difficult to make work. I mean, I just scratch my head. I mean, we we live in Williamson County, Tennessee, just south of Nashville. There are restaurants that open every week. Joanna and I never run out of new ones to go visit. and, And we do. We just keep making the rounds. But I mean, a well-run restaurant hopes to make a three to four percent net profit. I mean, I could do better than that selling wooden wheels or picking up aluminum cans along the freeway. I could have a better business model than that. I mean, I don't know what's attractive. It's a, it's a very, very risky business. Well, what you need to do is find something that's a fit for you. You know, this doesn't sound like anything but frustration, misery, and poverty. Don't keep chasing that if those are the only kind of results that you get. Now, let me add this, and we'll, 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 I'll kind of wrap up with this. If you have an attraction to the restaurant business, well, well let me just, do, I had a young couple one time. They came in to see me, came in with her dad who was going to mortgage his house to finance this deal. They had found a restaurant. It's in a neighboring town up here. It was in an old house. I'm very familiar with the restaurant. has a lot of ambiance. It has all these small rooms downstairs and upstairs that people meet in. So it's a really quaint place. They're open for only lunch and dinner. Well, the place was making about sixty or $70,000 a year. This young couple wanted to buy it. It was $238,000. I think to purchase it, daddy was going to mortgage his house to buy it. And they were thrilled about the sixty, seventy thousand dollars they were going to be making. Well, I helped them map this out, and I said, "No, you know, you're going to be servicing this debt, 
and a reasonable servicing of that debt really doesn't leave you much out of the sixty or seventy thousand dollars that they are making now. The only way to make more money is to add more hours in what they're currently doing. So if you're open for breakfast, all of a sudden, you know, we were looking at being open for eighty hours a week. Uh, this young couple, you know, moving back in their chairs, thinking, wow, we got two small kids. This is not what we really wanted. And I said, no, I think there are red flags all over this kind of idea. But you like the food industry. What I suggest you do is go home and come up with 20 ideas that would embrace your love for the food industry, but would not have the characteristics of running a restaurant or the initial capital expense of opening one. You could cater meals to sales organizations so you're in and out at lunchtime you know you could do special events and parties weekend events corporate events weddings or whatever you could do that you could come up with a product specialty so cheesecakes or brownies and you just do those and you sell to the existing restaurants they've got all the overhead all the headaches and employees that you're just making a product you become a supplier to them rather than just another competitor. I mean, you could come up with 20 things you could do that would embrace your affinity to food without having all the overwhelming logistics and risk of running a traditional restaurant. Well, that's exactly what this couple did. I mean, they've thanked me over and over and over again from deterring them from going into that debt, leveraging their father's house to do it and being tied down to something that wasn't even a fit. So you can do that. I'm not saying you just have to give up your dream, but there is nothing about opening a restaurant that I would encourage you on or that looks like it would be a fit in the way that you're going here. Well, hey, thanks for being part of this audience. I love doing this every week. I look forward to it all week long. Love the opportunity of scanning through your questions and looking at these issues, that benefit, it benefits me going through. That helps me run my business better and more productively. And I trust that it's doing the same for you. You being one of the innovative, creative crowd out there who is committed to finding or creating work that is meaningful, productive, purposeful, and profitable. Check us out on 48days.com, 48days.net. Join us in what's happening there. Have a great week.